Welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. My name is Howard Jacobson. When we get sick, most of us go to the doctor. And most of the time, the doctor prescribes a pill, or two, or a whole handful. The number of Americans on prescription meds is just staggering. Doctors know that patients expect to leave the office with a prescription. And pharma companies spend hundreds of thousands of marketing dollars per doctor per year to make sure that their patented blockbusters are the ones getting written down on the prescription pads. So all this would be fine, I guess, if the pills actually made us better. And it would probably be close to fine if the pills didn't actually make us worse. But we can't medicate ourselves out of our health crisis. It's our lifestyles that got us into this mess, and it's only our lifestyles that can get us out. Drugs can sometimes relieve symptoms and buy time, but in the long run, they cause more problems than they solve, and most significantly, they distract us from the true sources of health that are right now within our grasp. My guest today, Dustin Rudolph, is a pharmacist who saw the light in 2009 after a decade and a half of being part of the pharmaceutical industrial complex. He's just written a book, The Empty Medicine Cabinet, that we published in the fall, He's made it his mission to educate the public on the incredible healing power of healthy lifestyle, whose centerpiece is a whole food plant-based diet. In our conversation, we talk about the strong desire to heal that led Dustin at age 10 to decide to become a pharmacist, as well as his trajectory as a normal pharmacy student and pharmacist. You'll hear how a foot problem led him to discover the China study, and how Dr. Campbell's evidence-based approach turned him from skeptic to advocate. And you'll also hear how the tired phrase, healthcare professional, took on new and powerful meaning in Dustin's world. So here's the Plant Yourself interview with the plant-based pharmacist, Dustin Rudolph. Hey, Dustin, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me, Howard. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, so we were just chatting before I turned on the recorder. You have a, a, a new title for your book that's going to be coming out this year, um, the, the one you sent me was called Avoiding the Pill Trap, which was intriguing. C- can you can you tell us about the new title? Um, yeah, actually, Avoiding the Pill Trap, that's going to be a title of one of my chapters, um, the first chapter, actually. And um, I've, uh, the title of the book is going to be called The Empty Medicine Cabinet. So uh, my, my premise is all about helping to educate others on what they can do as far as lifestyle changes, and specifically, uh, most mostly focused on plant-based nutrition, the whole foods plant-based diet, and implementing that so that people don't have to be on a, a long list of medications, or you know, can reduce or eliminate their need for medications. You know, should they be on that for various chronic diseases, you know, like heart disease or type two diabetes or um, autoimmune diseases or what have you. That that's awesome. I love the title because my medicine cabinet is totally full, and it, I don't have any pills in it. But you know, like I keep the toothbrush in there, and the tongue brush, and the the neti pot, and and all this cool stuff. And yeah, if I actually took drugs, like I would have no idea where I'd put them. So um, <laughs> that's a good problem to have, though. A yeah. medicine cabinet full of uh, non-drug items. Yeah. So so let's uh, you know, in a certain sense. Uh, you're compl- you're going completely against your training and against what it would be kind of predicted uh, that you would be promoting. You know, this is like I don't know a a lumber salesman going around selling you know let's build houses out of straw and mud. 
So when you when you st- uh, went to um, to study uh, to be a pharmacist, and they, they, that was like what, around two thousand two, is that right? Yeah. Well, I graduated in two thousand and two, so I, okay. I went from I went to pharmacy school from uh, ninety six until two thousand and two. Uh, so that's that's six years. That's a pretty big investment of time, and I imagine money and energy and identity. So, in, in, so take us back in 1996. What were you th- or 1995? You know, what were you thinking when you said I'm going to become a pharmacist? Well, I actually said I'm going to become a pharmacist when I was in fourth grade. So that started, you know, long before 1996 when I started school. Um, and in the fourth grade, when you know people asked me what I want to be when I grow up, and I told them I was going to be a pharmacist, and and it just kind of stuck. And as I got yeah. through high school and uh, you know middle school, high school, I was like the math and the sciences and you know biology and chemistry and those kind of classes, and um, it and I had an interest in uh, medicine, so it just actually fell into place that it, it worked out. Most fourth graders, when they say they're going to do something, yeah. it doesn't actually happen. You know, <laughs> most of the time it's like I want to be a baseball player. I want to be, you know, um, a football player or something like that. But, you know, I guess I was the, the <laughs> odd one that actually was thinking about an academic career. Um, so what did what did being a pharmacist mean to you as a 10-year-old? What did you think you were going to be doing? Well, I come from a very small town, Baker, Montana. It's in southeast Montana, rural Montana. And we only have... Uh, at that time, we only had two pharmacies in the entire town. And one of the pharmacies that we went to, uh, the pharmacist was Todd. And, and Todd was our family pharmacist. And I love Todd. And he was a, he still is a wonderful man, very friendly man, very helpful. And, you know, so I saw Todd in the white coat behind the counter when my mom and dad would ever go to the pharmacy and we would go to the pharmacy. And I, that's what I said when I was in fourth grade. I told people, I want to be like Todd. I'm going to be like Todd when I grow up. So that's kind of how it started all, and, you know, and here I am. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you write at the beginning of the book that um, it was your grandfather's life and uh, untimely death that, that kind of sparked some of your interest in helping people. Can you talk a little bit about, about him and what his life and, uh, and sickness and death meant to you? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it was uh, it was a sophomore in high school, and it was New Year's Eve, I believe, 1993, and we had got the call that night that my grandpa had passed away. And he had battled um, heart disease, and he had battled type 2 diabetes for many, many years before that, probably at least seven or eight years prior to that. And the last three or four years of his life, he was in and out of the hospital constantly. You know, he was on a, a whole regimen of, of pills and for his heart disease and his diabetes and insulin shots every day. And it's, it's just, uh, you know, it's sad to see that because growing up, my, I saw my grandpa on his little farm. He, he didn't have a huge farm. He had a little farm in Montana there and he had a couple acres of, potatoes and corn and, and whatnot. We'd always go out there in the fall and help him harvest his crop. And he was a he was a big man, pot bellied man, and he was always very active and very with it. He had worked in the oil field 
all of his life, you know, doing hard manual labor. And so I was used to seeing my grandpa work hard, you know, toil hard in the in the fields, and to see him towards the end of his life where, you know, he, he had to move out of the farmstead and back into town to be cared for because um, he was just so weak and he, he just couldn't make it anymore, you know, and and that was that was tough to see and I wanted to I wanted to help people, you know, and I figured becoming a pharmacist I'd be able to help people so that they didn't have to suffer like my grandfather did. But uh, my eyes were really opened, you know, as I got into my career and I, I realized that you know, pills and medications and stuff, although that they have their place in medicine, their time and place, uh, for the most part for chronic diseases, they don't really return people to health. They just continue sickness. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, as, as I read the story and I'm looking at it now with hindsight and with an adult's mind, I'm thinking, you know, come on, Dustin, you, your grandpa was getting pharmaceuticals. Right, we, we, you well, know, it was almost yeah. like you know, you, you yeah, know, you might have thought, well, I want, I want to discover the cure for diabetes. I'm going to become a researcher, or something. But you know, even at that point, there was something, you know, clearly missing. <laughs> exactly, and and you know, you think different when you're um, 14, 15 years old, as compared to when you're an adult and you've been in the field and the industry for many, many years, and you've seen what you've seen. Um, so I have a totally different mindset now, and I always tell people I wish I would have known then what I know now, because uh, I probably would have uh, made different choices, but you can't change the past. All you can do is um, do the very best with you have with the information that you have now and, you know, try to grow as a person, and both professionally and personally, and just make the world a better place. Right, and I, and I don't want to seem at all like I'm, you know, second guessing or criticizing your 14 year old self because you certainly were a lot more put together than I was at that age. Uh, but it's inter- you know, what's interesting is that you say, you know, you've you've seen a lot and you've gone through a, a long education and life experiences and you've changed, but in fact, the world agrees with your 14 year old self <laughs> that it does. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy that that's that's the way it is, but we've just you know, uh, you you repeat something enough, and we're inundated with TV commercials and radio ads and you know magazine ads and about drugs and medications and all these things and latest and greatest in the medical field. And so, if you see something over and over and over and over and over again, you just believe it to be truth and that that is the only way to do things. And you know, that's the kind of culture that we have. Um, but it is turning around with the help of yourself and the books that you've co-authored and, and others in the field. And, you know, I'm glad to see that. Right. I'm, I'm, I really, thank you. Thank you for that. And I, I really want to kind of hone in on, like, your, your journey to realization because it's such a rare thing. You know, I've seen it in my in my collaborator T. Colin Campbell, where he had a career. He was invested in it. Other people had invested in it, and he saw things that that he couldn't turn his back on. We saw it with uh, with Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn, 
um, both of whom, as, as Rich Roll pointed out, um, grew up on farms. So I'm thinking that maybe your farm background is, a, is a, of a piece with this story. But can you, can you sort of take us through, you, 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 in 1996, you, presumably gung-ho, you entered um, pharmacy school. Um, what started opening your eyes to, uh, you know, where, to, to, to where you are now, where you don't see pills as the, the magic bullets? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, in, in 96, I started pharmacy school, and I was all done home, and I, I got through the six years of school, and then graduated, um, got out, uh, went into retail pharmacy for about four, between four and five years, and then I made the um, jump over to hospital pharmacy, inpatient hospital pharmacy, and um, I've been doing that ever since uh, about 2000, and... Um, I believe, or two, 2000 and, yeah, about 2006. So it wasn't until 2009 that my eyes were even open to any of this. Um, and ironically enough, it was my podiatrist who got me set down this path. Um, I had had from from working in retail pharmacy. Uh, those are those are long, hard hours, and you're on your feet for 10, 12, 13 hours a day, uh, typically with no breaks, and it's it's tough. And over the years, I've had some um, uh, slight nerve damage in one of my foots from being on my feet so long, and I've always had issues with my my hips and my my um, feet and legs. I was actually in braces, kind of like Forrest Gump, you know, when I was a little kid. So mm-hmm. I've always had issues there. So I went to my podiatrist to see if I can get this uh, figured out, and his name is Dr. Sal. First name is Sal, so I'd, we, I always called him Dr. Sal. And that was right during the time that the <clears throat> the healthcare bill was being debated, you know, back and forth in in Congress way before it was passed. And so there was a Time Magazine article on, on about the healthcare and you know what what was the pros and the cons of the different sides and stuff. And I was reading it, and I took it into the exam room, and Dr. Sauer walked in, and he goes, oh, what are you reading there? And that ended up into a conversation about health care and the health care system and what, you know, what I thought would be good changes for the health care system and to help more people in the system so that they could get better care. And, and you know, Dr. Sauer, he really kind of laid it on the line. He's like, well, you know, Dustin, no matter what they legislate up there in Washington, D.C., um, it's not going to fix the health care crisis. And I'm like, what, do, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about. So at this point, I still had no clue. And he goes, well, you know, they're just going to try to find a way to cover more people with insurance, but that doesn't get rid of a whole nation full of sick people. It was the only way to get rid of a nation full of sick people is to get take sick people and make them healthy. And he goes, have I ever given you my reading list? And I go, no, I've, I've never seen a reading list. He goes, well, I have four books on there. Let me go get it for you. So he brought me in his reading list, and um, I'm, I'm kind of a slow reader. When I read a, a book, I really like to uh, read it slowly and absorb all of it. I said, well, of, of these four books, which book 
should I pick if I were to choose only one book to read? And he said, The China Study. Definitely read The China Study. He goes, in fact, that should be mandatory reading for all medical students before they're allowed to graduate med school. And so I read The China Study um, by your comrade, uh, Colin Campbell, and that just changed everything. Like, the, the light bulb went off and the pictures, I, my whole world just changed on how I viewed healthcare and where I was at and where I, where we should go and how we should approach all the sickness and, and suffering that we have in America. Wow. Well, I can't, I can't wait for Colin to hear that. He'll, he'll love that. Um, but, you know, a lot of people have read the China study or, or claim to have read it or have read parts of it and get angry and look for ways to poke holes in it. Um, was there something in your, you know, 15 years of of study and practice of of pharmaceutical medicine that 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 predisposed you to believe this did you had you started feeling like what's the point or am i helping people had, had you come across you know side effects where where were you at the, at the you know before the china study you know fell into your lap well i was just under the um uh, the assumption that when you get sick, uh, regardless of what kind of chronic disease it is or illness it is, you go to the doctor and they give you a pill or, or uh, you know, a shot or something, and you get better. And um, that was that was just it. That was, I mean, I was under the same thought process as every as most people are in America today. That that is the only treatment option, and there really is nothing else. And if there was anything alternative, um, that all the alternative stuff, you know, was the so-called crack stuff. And um, But the thing that really struck me about Colin, uh, Colin Campbell's work was, I mean, all through school and after school and working in the industry, uh, it is just beat into our head that it has to be evidence-based. Our treatments and our approach has to be evidence-based, evidence-based, evidence-based. And that's exactly what the China study was. So that's why that book worked for me, because it's all evidence-based. And he has all, and, I, and I'm not, I'm not one just to read a book and, um, just go by what the author says. I want to see the references, because then I'll start looking up the references and the studies that they reference and reading through a lot of the studies to, for myself so I can see as, as my own individual person, see if the studies really do say that. And, you know, that was the case. I mean, um, Dr. Campbell did a great job and, and uh, it just grew from there. Uh-huh. So you turned the last page, you, you checked out uh, a bunch of the references, you, you found it to be a coherent, convincing story. What did you do the next day? <laughs> Like how do how do you go from? Because you know, I'm imagining, you know, sort of like your career was like this, like 18 wheeler that you're driving down a highway, and all of a sudden you like you wake up at the wheel and go, oh, you know, what do I do? Do I just keep keep driving? Do I slam on the brakes? Do I jump out and roll on the shoulder? It's funny. It's funny you say that because, um, you know, it 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 was 
this is a pun intended too. It's a hard pill to swallow as a pharmacist, <laughs> you know, to to read all this and get all this new information that's evidence based and and when my whole life and career is spent as a pharmacist pushing pills, basically. But I, the first thing that I did was, obviously, I, I looked at my own life and my own personal choices with what I eat and how I live, and I was like, well, I got to start making changes because, you know, if you're a healthcare professional, you, you gotta, you can't just talk the talk; you gotta walk the walk. You know, you gotta lead by example. And of course, I don't want to suffer and and unnecessarily and die prematurely like, you know, my grandfather did. So I started making changes in my own life and uh, changing what I eat and getting rid of the meat and getting rid of the dairy. And it took me about a year to transition and completely do it. Um, but I, you know, I made it happen. And then uh, during that time, I just continued to read more books and more uh, articles. And I constantly was looking up the, uh, the the new news and new articles out in nutrition and health and uh, just becoming more familiar with the others, you know, in the field, the other experts in the field, like uh, McDougall and um, Esselstyn and, and all the others, and got really familiar. And the more I learned, the more motivated I got. And then I, d- I don't know exactly how far along it was during that time, but it was within the first year, I think, partway through. I was like, I got to start sharing this because, you know, people could benefit from this and... You know, as a pharmacist, I can tell them about the drugs, but I can also tell them that there's another path should they choose to take it. And it's safe, and it's extremely effective, and it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> so I just, I had to start sharing it, and that's when I um, got got to work on, on my website and my blog and got that up and running. And then um, a year or two into it, I was like, I think it's time to write a book, and then you know, the whole book process started. So it just everything just flourished from there. Right. It, you know, it, it sort of reminds me of um, like this old 80s Kevin Costner movie, No Way Out, where, where you know, spoiler alert, at, at the end it turns out that this American, you know, high-ranking, high-potential naval officer was a, a Soviet plant. And it's, it's almost like, you know, you had to, you had to go through – this, these, these years of, uh, of being undercover and not even you knew you were undercover, you know, yeah, then, to, the, to then, then come out and have this kind of credibility to have gone through the whole system to be an expert. You know, what I find really valuable about the draft of your book that I just finished is your knowledge of what pharmaceutical drugs do, what their, um, you know, what they're good for, what they're not good for, what the side effects are, and your ability to then compare it to plants in a very, very specific way, you know, down to um, generics and brand names. You know, you're, you're naming names. You're not just talking gen- generically, for, uh, a pun intended, I suppose, um, that, you know, that, that your, your trajectory has made you an incredibly valuable ally in this movement. Well, thank you very much. And I mean, the whole purpose of of any of my writings and and my book, uh, you know, when it comes out, is to really help as many people as possible. And there's a lot of people on medications and and drugs out there. And 
you know, I, I don't have a problem with anybody if they choose to go that route. I just want them to understand what their choices are. You know, I want them to really understand what it is, what, because when you go, when a lot of people go to the doctor and they get a, a prescription, um, there's really not a lot of a conversation there about, you know, these are all the pros and these are all the cons with this. And this is kind of how this works and the success rates and, um, and whatnot. Because the doctor, I mean, to the doctor's credit, they're not really given the time to do that or, you know, reimbursed for their services to sit down and effectively talk about this stuff and take the time to do it with every single patient. They have to get them in and out or else their clinic is going to go under. Right. Um, Which begs the so question... That, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so that's that's just why I try to do a very good job and go into detail about the different medications and the, the different classes and the actual drug names and then go through the success rates and the side effects that can happen so that people understand what their choice is with the medication. And then talk about the nutrition, too, and the success rates of that. Then they can they can have it clearly laid out so they can make an informed decision. Okay. So I, I totally get how this helps your patients. I totally don't get how you make a living. <laughs> As a, well, as, as, a, as a pharmacist who tries to convince people not to use drugs. Yeah, it, uh, everything that I do uh, basically goes against uh, what my, what my uh, career is and what my industry is. But, you know, I was, I was put on this planet to help and to love others. And I tell people all the time, I'm a healthcare professional first and a pharmacist second. And professionals are the best at what they do. And my job is to care and to produce health. So if I'm not doing those two things, I'm not doing my job. And, um, you know, I, I love uh, watching uh, Dr. McDougall because he always says uh, it's important that you do the right thing and that you be honest. And um, I've had many in, in my life, you know, family and friends that say, you know, you got to do what you feel is right and you know, life will take care of itself. The money part of life will take care of itself. So, I mean, right now I, I have to be a pharmacist to pay the bills because the, you got to admit, you know, selling vegetables and fruit is not very lucrative in the medical field. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it takes time to change. Uh, it takes time to change a culture and a society. And... You know, the, the tide is turning, but it's just going to take an awful lot of effort and hard work by those that are doing this, like yourself and Colin Campbell. And, um, you know, I'm just happy to be uh, part of that movement because it's, it's an altruistic um, uh, goal of mine and, and mission of mine to spend my life helping and loving others. And I just so happen to uh, found my niche in the healthcare field. Regardless of where I started or where I end up, it's a, it's a journey. Right on. I, I, when you said that, I just had this image of like these these farmer reps driving around with coolers in their trunks, you know, <laughs> with you know broccoli and peaches on ice, leaving samples at the doctor's office. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the day. Um, <laughs> so you know, so I'm 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 imagining what has to happen to the system 
for you know so first of all what has happened to this system whereby a healthcare professional gets paid for dispensing maintenance of disease and side effects and doesn't get paid for promoting health and i'm imagining like what what kind of system we'd have to set up whereby like anyone in their right mind would want to see you as opposed to um you know a pharmacist who knows nothing about what actually makes people healthy um, but you know, so imagine a system where people where, where you got paid for results and not for for push pushing product product. Oh, that would be my dream. That would be my dream. But uh, you know, I, I I'm afraid to say that I don't think that it's going to come from the top down because there's too much money involved and and power and egos and uh, whatever have you at the top of of the industries and the political fields and stuff. So it's if change is going to come, um, and you know, I'm sure you feel the same way, it's going to come from the ground up, from a grassroots effort. Because we have to change the supply and demand of services that are being offered and products that are being offered in the healthcare industry in order to have a massive system-wide change. And that's only going to happen if patient people um, start basically demanding services like plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine as opposed to just writing out a prescription and I'll go get it filled and pay my copay. If we, if every time we make a decision in life to spend money or time or energy on a process, you're supporting that system or industry that you're um, purchasing from. So when you make a decision to switch over uh, to a plant-based lifestyle and be more active and eat better and not have these diseases, not be on these medications, you're supporting the farming system and not the pharma system. And, um, and I think that's where it's really going to come from. Well said. I love that phrase, farming versus pharma. <laughs> So I, I was thinking that uh, as I was reading the book, I would love to be a fly on the wall in your clinic when you talk to people who, your patients who come in who have no clue about lifestyle medicine and they come to get a prescription filled. Like what's, what are some sort of interesting types of dynamics of those conversations and what are, what are maybe some of the, the high and low points of, of that kind of advocacy? Well, I wish I had the opportunities to do that, but I work in an inpatient hospital setting, so um, I'm kind of uh, stuck behind the conventional wheel of, of just being a pharmacist there. Okay. Um, and I'm really the way that the system and the uh, legalities of the system are set up, I'm not legally allowed to talk to people about what they eat because it's outside the, outside the scope of my practice. So... All of my work with the plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine comes outside of my career as a pharmacist, and I spend an enormous amount of time um, on all my time off and, and spare time um, spreading the good word that way. Because wow. um, then I'm not I'm not restricted. But you know, at at, at the very most, uh, the, the most I could do is is maybe mention like in my line of work if I see a patient or something that you know, has questions on their medications, I can try to answer them. And the most I could say is if if the rapport is 
good between us is, oh, have you ever checked out that uh, documentary, Forks Over Knives, or, mm. you know, uh, have you heard of Dr. Esselstyn? You know, he, he did a thing on heart, heart uh, prevention and reversal with some lifestyle changes. So, I mean, that's kind of limited to that um, legally, and um, I wish I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's the way the yeah. system is, so it yeah. kind of silences us. Yeah. Do you talk with colleagues about your, oh, yeah. your views? I, I, do, is, is Dustin Rudolph your real name? Or you, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh, yeah, absolutely. You're not, you're not uh, this isn't your, like, public persona. And you're... No, uh, no, absolutely. <laughs> if, if it's uh, not in the actual course of business, of, of my official duties, I talk to my colleagues all the time and actually have helped um, many of them. Uh, improve their habits and, um, you know, change change what they eat and improve their health in the meantime. And uh, they they all they all seem very receptive uh, to the information, if not to implementing the impl- information that that I have for them. And I just I my whole approach is I just try to help people understand their choices. I'm not one of those kind of people that tries to. Um, shove it down their throat I just, uh, you know, show them the options because I was very grateful for Dr. Sal when he presented the options and the information to me and I took it and ran with it. And um, some people will do that and some people uh, won't, but all you can do is is uh, put it out there for them. Hmm. And uh, what what about do people come to you just you know because they know you're a pharmacist and you know friends and family and acquaintances and just you know hey what do you think of this I just got this diagnosis which you know do, you, do I should I take do you get a chance to outside of the the legally restricted professional world to to be a pharmacist pr- promoting plant based nutrition Yes, all the time I get. I get family and friends all the time that, um, you know, call me or email me or, or contact me and say, you know, hey, I got this going on, uh, you know, what's your take on it? And, um, usually it's always, it's, it's always the same answer and, and I kind of approach it like this is pretty much with any chronic disease, it's like, well, you have a number of choices. You have about, you know, three choices or so. You could, A, do nothing, and um, things are probably not going to get better and get worse fast. You could, B, um, you know, uh, talk to your doctor, and there are these different medications that you could um, choose from, or there's this uh, surgery or procedure that you could, you know, entertain the option of, and it may help you mitigate the symptoms or the side effects or delay the progression of the disease, um, but you will also have um, adverse effects possible from whatever surgery or medicine or procedure you're choosing, or you can see, uh, go down this path of changing what you eat, and that's going to take uh, some time and effort to learn up front, and it's going to be well worth it, though, in the end, because um, you'll get better results, and it's safe. There's no side effects, and it doesn't cost anything because everybody's got to eat one way or the other. So, um, you know, I'm here for you, whatever you want to choose, and um, 
you know, I'm happy to help you out and provide you any information. Right. So now, you know, most conversations with medical professionals around drugs is is sort of weighing, you know, this set of side effects with that set of side effects, with likelihood, with uh, possible uh, contraindications, or you know, it's, it's sort of it's a it's a very delicate art to figure out what's likely to be the best alternative. But when, 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 when you're comparing it to lifestyle medicine, to eating right, you're, you're kind of cheating because there aren't any downsides. <laughs> Do, it's like the uh, David versus Goliath, except for only, you know, the small handful of people in the lifestyle medicine kind of see it that way where plant-based nutrition is the uh, Goliath, you know? So, um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it's really an art to to be able to communicate um, all the options and do it effectively for others to um, you know take action on, and to really get them to understand that. I mean, I was just talking to a colleague the other day that um, she's had uh, rest, upper respiratory like asthma, allergies, clogged sinuses for years, and I said, well, like oh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but dairy is one of the most common allergens people are exposed to and you know you you might want to consider uh, finding some substitutes for your dairy products and uh, cutting that out or eliminating it for at least a little bit see how things go and then uh, give it a shot and <clears throat> she did and within a matter of days she was breathing just fine and then um, she thought well maybe this is just a coincidence so I'll just go back on the dairy you know and going back on the dairy, within a day or two, she couldn't breathe again. It's all stuffed up. So uh, she ended up telling me, you know, I want to believe that, but uh, if I went to try it for myself, but you're right. The, the, the dairy is, uh, the dairy was it. So, you know, those kind of things happen. And, the, and when you get results, I, I, you probably see this too, people have positive reinforcement by that, so they're likely to stick with it longer. Right. For, yeah, when people convince themselves rather than try, getting convinced by someone else, it's much more powerful yep. and, and long-lasting uh, testimony. Um, and so, the drugs, they don't produce as good results, so it's when when somebody really gives it, it their all and, and jumps into plant-based nutrition and then they see the difference, um, that's that's the time where a lot of a lot of them get hooked. Mm. Yeah, and and uh, you know one of the things that I've seen um, is that when someone begins to change the way they eat, to in, in a way that 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 brings you know makes them responsible, that changes them their relationship to to society from infant to adult, where they're making decisions, it's it starts to change everything else. I don't know if you've, if you've seen that as well, that people's entire outlooks and lives can change from just taking one thing into their own hands. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what's happened to me. My whole, you know, uh, approach and, and view of life, not just my healthcare career, but just life in general, just completely changes. Your eyes open up to... Um, to the life of the living, you know, and and you're, and I've, 
I just feel very blessed to have gotten all this information, especially at a, a younger age in my career, um, because I have that many more years to see all the positive side effects, if you will say, from from living this lifestyle, both in health and you know the uh, the planet and uh, other living species and and everything. It's just a win 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 situation. Right. So one of the big problems um, with the pharmaceutical industry is compliance, right? That people don't take their pills or they don't take them on time or they don't take them right. Um, there must be a much bigger problem with compliance around getting people to change their diets. Um, what, what have you seen that, uh, you know, have you learned things in, in the pharmaceutical world that, that, that can give us clues or is it just a much harder thing? What, how do you help people actually make the change once they've agreed to give it a try? Well, that's a very good point, Howard, is, is that compliance is a big issue um, on both sides of the fences there. You know, um, I found that the more medications that somebody is on and the more times per day they have to take medications, the less likely that they are to be compliant. So, um, uh, like with anything, I think the the best thing that can happen is to just make things simple. And a lot of times, that's what I love about Dr. Campbell's work is he just makes everything so simple. And when you get wrapped up into, on the nutrition side of things, when you get wrapped up into, oh, should I add this powder to my my uh, morning uh, breakfast routine or or this drink or that supplement or or this superfood or that superfood, then you start to kind of compartmentalize everything and it becomes a big process, you know. And you just got to keep it simple. You, you got to keep it as simple as possible. And if you can get the big picture right with nutrition and you just... Uh, dramatically reduce or eliminate those animal foods and all the processed foods, even the vegan and vegetarian processed foods, if you just do get that big picture right, you don't have to worry about this one superfood or that superfood or this supplement or that supplement or whatever. And I think it goes hand in hand both ways, nutrition and medications, is the more complex you make it, the less compliant the person is going to be. Mm, I love that. And it you know, it brings to mind this uh, you're you're representing yourself in your marketing I think very wisely as sort of you're prescribing health in a different way. Uh, so that you know, to point out the obvious analogs between what pharmaceuticals were what we hope they'll do and with what lifestyle medicine and plant-based nutrition actually does. Uh, but in some ways the problem with a lot of our food culture is that we think of it from a pharmaceutical standpoint. Like, you know, we look at the study like, oh, well, the carrot is going to prevent this disease. So, you know, we're, 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 we're doing better than, than, than pills, but we still think of it from a very reductionist point of view, that we're looking for the element in the food that we can take out and put in a supplement, or at least, well, you need to get the tomatoes because of the lycopene, 
Um, I'm, I'm wondering how your how you talk about food in, that may be similar or different to the way you you would prescribe pills. Well, I uh, you know whenever I have somebody come to me and and say, uh, and usually usually I find this uh, when somebody's brand new to the whole nutrition thing uh, when they first get introduced to it, and they're like, oh well, um, should I you know how many how many servings of uh, my dark leafy greens should I have? Or how many, um, you know, how many pieces of fruit should I have per day? And I go, well, um, it doesn't really matter. Just do you, do you like dark leafy greens? <laughs> well, yeah, I, I don't mind them. Well, just eat as much as you want. Just You can't overdose on dark leafy greens. Do you like bananas? Well, yeah, I like bananas. Well, then eat as many as you want. Just eat more plants and more fruits and more vegetables and more legumes, more grains. I mean, just just eat until you're full, and then when you're hungry again, eat some more. And don't worry about how many pieces of fruit you eat or how many servings of dark leafy greens you have. Just eat plants in their whole form. <laughs> so, and you'll get better, you know. <laughs> so, and and when you simplify it like that. It just makes things so much easier for people. But sometimes it's hard, the way our society is and our culture is, to get somebody's mind wrapped around that it really is that simple. It really is that simple. Right. Well, you know, it reminds me of a lot of the, the parenting books that I was reading when we first became parents in the 90s. There was, there was a lot of talks at that point even still about, uh, you know, feeding on schedule. That there, there's this idea that there's some protocol out there that was formulated by some expert that is the way to do things and that we, you know, we, we kind of grow up distrusting our own bodies, our own urges. And so we need to, you know, I need a script pad that tells me I need three of these three times a day, you know, between meals with water. And, and we kind of bring that, that helpless attitude to, to everything. And I think, you know, one, that's one of the huge, um, changes in my life when I really got the idea that just eat a whole bunch of plants and (laughs) that I really didn't have to think very hard anymore. Exactly. And it just, it makes it so much easier. You know, can you imagine like going to a, uh, uh, Native American tribe, um, years and years and years ago, uh, and, and giving the, the mom, the new mom, a regimen on when to feed her child. She'd probably look at you cross-eyed like, what is, what is this? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Not and, this and, hard. Just... Yeah, or, 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 you know, or, or, or any mom. If you go, back, mom, far, yeah. any, go back far enough, it's just, you know, you can see how, how our, our sort of corporate scientific culture has colonized our brains and made us feel like our own intuitions and our own relationships with the things that grow around us are suspect. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you, exactly. you wrote at the beginning about your grandfather and his, you know, his diabetes and the, you know, the hamburgers and the, and the, you know, the butter on the pot, on the, on the corn. But you also were eating from the land. And there was a, you know, the, the, the land had wisdom and it gave you the food that, you know, that was good for you. You know, he mm-hmm. talked about his, his vegetable gardens. I think I think we kind of we need to get back to that trust 
in the planet has our has our best interest at heart as opposed to look, looking at our our consumer culture and realizing that almost everything that is produced for profit uh and processed for profit is killing us yes yeah as i i always tell people follow the money if you want a real story follow the money Right. So have you, do you have, um, sort of insider views, speaking of following the money of the pharmaceutical industry that maybe the, re- the rest of us either have just sort of read about or heard about or, or don't even know about? You know, are there, are there things you've seen that make you less, less trusting than the rest of us might be? Well, um, yeah, there, there's several things actually, um, uh, what, I, I know that the uh, pharmaceutical company and the, and the uh, sales reps, the drug reps that come, are only doing their best to just do their job and uh, with the information they have. But a lot of times the data that you get from the studies from a drug company and a new drug comes out, you know, and uh, the reps hit us up for some new drug and the pamphlets and studies and stuff that are, of course, sponsored by the drug companies. And those, it's been shown in uh, medical and scientific journals that industry-sponsored studies almost always come out a little bit more favorable for whatever drug that is being sponsored in the study and the, the pharmaceutical company paying for the study than the study would have come out with the results if if it was independently uh, funded. So it's not, and, and I take that with a grain of salt because it's not that any study that's sponsored by a pharmaceutical company is worthless. I mean, it's still information, and it's still you can still take that and analyze that. But I've just learned that you have to understand where the money is coming from and who's sponsoring it and just take that into a into account, you know. Um, and the other thing is, one thing personally that I've seen uh, and I've changed in my career is uh, a lot of times the pharmaceutical companies will sponsor, you know, dinners or cater in lunch or, you know, have a pay for this big fancy dinner that they invite you to, then they have a speaker there. And, um, of course, you get all the fine fine dining stuff, the filet mignon and all this other stuff that you can uh, partake in. And I used to actually go to those in the first part of my career before my whole view and world changed. Um, but then I've, I've realized since I've grown personally and professionally that, you know, that's just part of the problem. And I know that the drug companies are just out there trying to... Um, spread the word on their medication, their new medication that they're trying to sell. And it may well very well be a, a drug that's worthwhile, that there is no eating or lifestyle or alternative to do a better job. You know, maybe it really is a medication that is truly needed. But the premise behind them giving away or first paying for a speaker to be there, usually a physician or a doctor, uh, to be there to represent the doc- drug and talk about the drug and then pay for all the, the meals, that's that's money. And that's money that the pharmaceutical company is spending to advertise and promote their drug. And it just 
kind of works against the whole system of producing health in general. Because mm. uh, it takes away, you know, it just, it, it, it narrows the healthcare professional's mind on this is the only option again. Mm. Have you seen a change since, you know, 1996 today in terms of the public's um, maybe being less trusting, less favorable to pharmaceutical companies and their claims and their products and among health professionals? Uh, I think I think I've seen a change in the general public because uh you know, we've never had more pills, procedures, and surgeries than we do now, and we've never had more sickness. And I I do see all the time where uh, patients or families or friends of mine, you know, who are battling some kind of illness or sickness or, you know, chronic disease, and they're just, they're just fed up, you know. They just want to feel better. They just want, they're tired of going to doctor to doctor to pharmacy to pharmacy, and trying different things. They just want to feel better. And I think that's healthy overall because it's going to change the landscape because people don't like feeling bad. They like to feel good. Um, so that's, that helps in terms of changing and maybe opening up their mind to other things. Uh, but as far as the actual profession, um, very, very slowly... There might be a change. Uh, you know, there, there is more talk about nutrition and health, but I find that it's mostly lip service and that the organizations that we get that information from, you know, the American Heart Association, the American Diabetes Association, those kind of organizations, the diets that are, quote, heart healthy or diabetic diet, they just continue the disease. So it, if you don't really have the knowledge and the experience and have really looked at the science behind nutrition, you just tend to believe that those organizations are right and that that is the best diet for that disease. And you're duped as a healthcare professional, unfortunately. And the pharmaceutical companies give millions of dollars in donations to these organizations, these not-for-profit organizations like the American Heart Association or American Diabetes Association. So, just uh, I, I just call them not-for-profit arms of the drug company. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not really there to really get the job done and get the diabetes and heart disease. Otherwise, they would fully promote this because the science is there to back it up. Right. I've seen the the, the phrase among community activists: instead of grassroots, they're astroturf mm-hmm. organizations. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Pretending to be grassroots, but really um, furthering the, the the interests that are paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Speak, right. speak, speaking of which, so you have a book, um, The Empty Medicine Cabinet, coming out hopefully in the fall of 2014? Yes, hopefully in the fall, um, right after the summer uh, here. That's my goal. Um, so so I'm at a, a lot right. of... So go ahead. Go ahead. As you say, a lot, a lot of people who are going to be listening to this are rooting for you. How can we support you um, in your work, in your whatever transition um, the book um, you know enables or, or brings about? Um, where can people find out about more more about you? Do you have things to to sell right now? 
how can we how can we contribute to your contribution to the mission? Well, I do have a website and a blog. My website is pursueahealthyyou.com, and that's a Y-O-U at the end. Pursue, and then my blog, pursueahealthyyou.com. Pursueahealthyyou.com. Okay. And my blog is plantbasedpharmacist.com. So uh, you can check those out, and I have a ton of articles and lots of information on how to do this and I really try to make everything available, you know, at no cost uh, for people. So I don't want money to get in the way of somebody improving their health and having the information to improve their health. Um, so uh, until my book comes out, I really don't have anything to sell, and that's not my whole purpose in this. Uh, so I would, the, the best thing that other people can do for me is to just spread the word of, uh, plant-based nutrition and lifestyle medicine and help turn this ship around of sickness and and suffering and premature death. Um, Because when we do that, it'll make it easier for those of us who are in the healthcare profession um, be able to hopefully one day uh, be able to provide services that are in demand for plant-based and lifestyle medicine uh, so that we can get paid to get people healthy instead of get paid to keep people sick. Uh, so I, I guess that's called playing the long game. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and that's that's what I have in mind. I mean, that's, that's my ultimate goal is to do the greatest amount of good for the most amount of people. And um, that's ultimately where I'm, what I hope to do in my life. All right. Well, I love that. You know that, that you can see that far ahead, and um, and that you are committed to being a healthcare professional, and you're gonna, you know, do, doing what you can to change the world so that your your career and your values are able to be in sync uh, much more easily, and so that you know the same will be true for for lots of others. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's why we're here, right? Yep. That's uh, as, as you said. It's hard to make. Uh, it's hard to make a killing selling peaches. It is. <laughs> so, it is. Uh, but luckily, you know, in a, in a, in a world in which uh, more and more people are going plant based, you know, I think we're gonna we're gonna discover much higher sources of wealth than than the money to uh, to buy us pills to protect us from from the rest of things. Yes, it's it's um, it's much more uh, joyful and fulfilling to uh, just to see people flourish in their life, you know, uh, personally, and uh, I'll, their health has a lot to do with that. And um, and I just try to find the you know the most effective, safest, and least costly methods to help people do that and achieve that. And um, I know that you're in there too, helping out and doing your part and. You know, it takes an army. Yep, and you know, certainly appreciate your part and the information you provide. It's you know coming from from your perspective with with your knowledge base. Uh, you know, each most of the chapters in the book are it's not philosophy. It's dealing with real issues in people's lives. Like, should I take weight loss pills? What you know, how what can I do instead? What can I do? What about protein? What do I do about uh, fat? 
how can I uh, deal with diabetes? So these are, you know, these are issues that that real people face. And so I would recommend to everyone as soon as as soon as it hits the shelves to 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 get this book and you know and hopefully at some point uh, there will be a whole host of podiatrists telling people, have you read the Empty Medicine Cabinet? <laughs> that to, would uh, be wonderful. To uh, to keep keep it rolling. So Dustin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thank you, Howard, for having me. It's really been a pleasure, and uh, and uh, uh, happy to be here. Great. Best of luck. All right. Thank you.